the Ghost Goal Podcast. It's going to be hard for Manchester City to top that performance on Tuesday night against Real Madrid in the 4-3 win they had in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final. But they're going to look to do something similar as they go to Leeds this weekend in a continuation of their battle for the Premier League title with Liverpool. Liverpool also had a first leg win in their Champions League semi-final, winning 2-0 earlier today against upstarts Villarreal. And they'll head to Newcastle, the form team in the Premier League, to kick things off Saturday at 7.30 a.m. There's plenty of other things going on in the Premier League. The relegation battles uh, coming to uh, a close. Top four is still up for grabs between Arsenal and Tottenham. We're going to jump into it right after we talk about these Champions League games. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 353. I'm Alex, here with Javier. We had to take a week off uh, last week because uh, the good old Rona hit us, got hit our, us hard. We got our Rona cherries popped. We did. Right. Yeah, we we had the audacity to celebrate my birthday by going out in DC, and God damn it, uh, yeah, Alex. we got we got How slapped up you? for it. So. Yeah, we got we got destroyed, but it's all right. It was worth it. it. It's been an eventful few weeks. Uh, I, before we get started, we, we lost we lost an angel, my dog, my family's dog, Chelsea, uh, our our OG black lab. We lost her a couple of days after that last pod was uh, released. Terrible. Uh, event to take place during my 30th birthday week and then follow that up with getting COVID. Like I said, it's been eventful, but uh, when it you know, rains, wanna... it pours, Alex. But yeah, shout out to Chelsea Goddess. Goddess. Shout she out to an OG. A, she was an amazing pup and I'm going to miss her stinky breath, you know? Yeah, for sure. Me too. But yeah, an eventful week uh, doesn't just line up with our personal amazing life. Week we of had an we eventful had this week, week yeah. of football. Yeah. Like, so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yesterday, what a way to come I, back. I, did you get to watch the entire uh, I did. Real Madrid I mean, I was, City game? I was glued to watching that game because from the first minute it started, both teams started going at each other. I, I think this is the type of thing that happens. You know, we've only really seen this in the Champions League this season, where the first legs of these ties now have had just a ton of attacking play because there's no more away goals. And I think we're seeing, like, there was never a 4-3 that happened in the first leg of any Champions League tie for, like, the last 20 years. Like, that just didn't happen because teams played really defensively at home in their first leg because they didn't want to concede away goals. You know, they tried to win 1-0 or, you know, 2-0 or whatever. They, they, they never wanted to concede an away goal. So that whole, like, like, shadow being on teams is gone, and it just produced two teams that just attacked each other for, for 90 minutes and... Dare I say that that was the game of the season and like anything that I've seen this season? I mean, the the attacking play from Manchester City was unbelievable, and the individual brilliance on Real Madrid was was unbelievable as well. I mean, I I can't say enough about that Benzema first goal, the the little lofted ball that Ferland Mendy put in the box, and that left footed volley first time that Benzema did with his back to goal. If you like, if you've ever played soccer before you know how insanely hard that is with your quote-unquote weaker foot to hit something right, first with, time in the with air a defender with a defender the on you, behind you. It's just like, it's one of those things where you see that goal and you go, how did he even do that? Like, I didn't, I, don't, I, I couldn't fathom how hard that goal was. And then Manchester City's attacking play, I mean, we've seen them do this to teams in the Premier League this season, you know, score four or five goals. You didn't think they could do it to Real Madrid. 
they just made Real Madrid look like a yeah. like a Sunday Sunday morning team defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, just I'm, tore them to I shreds. You, I was saying to you before we started recording that Real Madrid they have they have like a formula for they or at least this season in the three rounds so far in the first leg of going away from home PSG they lost one nil set up extremely defensively in that game and it was you know obviously to their detriment but they ended up overturning that at the Bernabeu. The Chelsea game, they were just as defensive, and that ended up working in their favor because they just had so many one v ones created by Vinicius and, and Benzema, and you know those two players, along with like Modric's quality in midfield, were able to take advantage of us over committing players forward, and they win and they win that one three one. They go down two nil in that Manchester City game the, uh, yesterday, and that, that you have no choice at that point but to open yourselves up and you you know you're basically risking even more so than before getting blown out when you're down 2-0 after 20 minutes but they had to take the risk and it ends up paying off for them but they still had to come back from two goals down three different times in the game you know so they're that, still in uh, it. that Kevin people, de Bruyne are, I think header. people are making a bit too much out of it though yeah like, that Kevin de Bruyne header was uh actually the fastest goal in Champions League semi-final history i think it was like 93 right. seconds in um, again, I just, I don't, Gabriel Jesus coming into this team, you know, he scored four goals at the weekend and then he scored again, you know, beautiful finish here. I mean, it's going to be a cracker. I think, I think City are obviously probably going to go through just because defensively Real Madrid are not, are not there. I mean, Militao and Alaba were disastrous during that game. And yeah, but you have to point out, you have to point out that Casemiro wasn't available. He, he should be available for the next leg. And, and for City as well. They didn't yeah, have Cancelo City or City had Walker. John Stones at right back who went out injured in the 30th minute and then Fernandinho right. came on. So both of the teams didn't yeah, have their you know full the, defensive the, the, yeah, capabilities they're gonna up. They're going to be boosted with players coming back. But I mean, I think you can make the argument that defensively, at least, Casemiro was such a huge factor. Also, the, that in tandem with... I don't know when Carlo Ancelotti is going to learn this lesson, but... Tony Cruz should not be playing in a game that's like that high tempo. Like he just looked out of place. Like I was thinking the same thing in the two Chelsea legs. He wasn't as bad in, in those two Chelsea legs as he was against City, but you, you could see the all the makings of that happening against a Manchester City team that's even more possession oriented than Chelsea. I feel like after I feel that like, you've got yeah, like with... Eduardo Camavinga on the bench. Like you have the perfect option of a player who's quick has the lungs to get around the field and win you the ball back and create transitions for you to, you know, get out and attack yourself. And Camavinga, like, it seems like a no-brainer for me. But this is, I mean, he is Carlo Ancelotti for a reason, so I can't, I can't question him too much. And, but yeah, there's all sorts of things that could swing this tie still. It's, it's definitely still on a knife edge. But, you know, having to outscore City, even at home, it's, I can't, I can't predict how many Real are going to concede. So it's hard for me to imagine they're going to outscore them by two clear goals. You know, maybe they get it to extra time and and maybe even penalties and I mean, win it there. They have arguably but. the best player in the world right now. I think we were talking right before the pod. I think Benzema should be winning World Player or you know Player of the Year, but the Ballon d'Or. But I mean, it's probably between him and Salah. It's, you know, whoever wins the Champions League, I feel like because they both. I mean, Salah. Doesn't have his domestic title locked up while Real Madrid do. They've you know they've pretty much won the title at this point. So Benzema's been unbelievable in the league, and I th- I think Real Madrid got a little bit of a false sense of security because the league's been so easy for them this season. Tony Cruz, you know, he's the type of player that if you 
don't press him, he'll destroy you, right? Like he'll pick out these crazy passes. He'll he'll take long shots. He'll, you know, always get the attack going. But if he's heavily pressed, I feel like he's not as effective, and and that's not that common in the Liga. There's a few teams that high press in La Liga that have you know teams like Real Betis and and small teams like Granada and stuff like that who have you know play high energy players that that press these teams and randomly get wins. Espanol. It's another team that like randomly beat Real Madrid. It, it, they have good pressing teams that press Real Madrid really well, like City were doing from the off. Just not used to Real Madrid as good as they are individually, and I think it's going to be the case for them probably next season too, unless they make a lot of big signings. I mean, if Kylian Mbappe is on that team, you know, again, it's going to be a bunch of individual brilliance. You're going to have you know Benzema, Mbappe, and Vinicius Junior up top, and. I don't know. I I I think Real Madrid in the Champions League specifically, you're seeing their weaknesses and and why teams like Manchester City and Liverpool, who just you know easily breezed by Villarreal today two nil, and I mean you got to think that tie is pretty much over. Villarreal is not going to score yeah, three or four 100%. goals on Liverpool, even though they're at home. So without conceding, <laughs> exactly. I think individual brilliance can only get you so far, um, and then right now it's the two probably the two best teams overall that have the best gameplay and game plan are Liverpool and City in the world right now. They probably have two, you know, the arguably top two, top three coaches in the world in Klopp and Guardiola. Um, and it's no no accident that they're, you know, probably going to both be in the final. So great time right now for English football. Great time to, to watch the Premier League. I mean, let's get to the Premier League. Like the Premier League title, 80 points Manchester City, 79 points Liverpool. Nobody's letting up right now, you know, it's going down to the wire. I mean, both of them got pretty good wins this last weekend. I mean, City blew by Watford 5-1, and Liverpool had a kind of tense Moses side derby with Everton, that 2-0 result, um, but they eventually got it over the line, and, you know, you kind of always felt like it was going to happen, um, but it took a little bit longer than they thought. You know, Divock Origi had to come on to, to secure the win. Seems to always like scoring against Everton. And and I mean they're they're entertaining Newcastle Saturday morning seven thirty. Newcastle no, have won. Uh, they're they're going up to Newcastle. They're going up to Newcastle. Yes, and uh, Newcastle have won four straight games since that. Spurs five one, and before that they had won five straight games. So they've won nine of their last yeah, ten okay, games. But, but, yeah, okay, so they are in, in great form. But I will. I'm just going to make the the case right here. Newcastle's those four wins in a row they've had have been at Norwich relegated home Crystal Palace mid-table not going anywhere home Leicester mid-table not going anywhere home Wolves again you know those are all those three teams other than Norwich who you know they're on a different kind of beach but those other three teams are in like the mid-table beach right now and you know Eddie Howe is just like using this time very productively like they're setting themselves up pretty well they're they're in the top half now. all right but they're before, ninth before place. those results they oh no they'd lost uh they lost to everton they lost to chelsea never mind okay but then they'd beaten they beat southampton they beat brighton they beat brentford they beat villa drew west ham beat everton so they were they were they were in a very they're in a very good vein of form right now they've only lost to spurs yeah and I'm Chelsea just saying there's recently. levels to this. There like, is. The, the, the closest thing that but they've when had they've to played against like a, a good test team, as close as yeah, this Liverpool one lost. was that Tottenham one. And they got absolutely spanked in that after going ahead. So I, I, I this could be this could be a tough one for Liverpool. Don't get me wrong. Like 
took Chelsea till the 88th or 89th minute against Newcastle at home to get the winner. So they are capable, very capable of setting up like in a very frustrating low block. And they could maybe get a draw here. But at the end of the day, I just... Liverpool, even with this Champions League fixture in midweek, I still think will have enough to win it like 2-1. And I mean, they didn't really have to do that much. They did their typical Liverpool thing where like as soon as that own goal went in, Villarreal fell apart and conceded two minutes later. And then Liverpool just shut up shop and were like, yep, we'll take the 2-0 win. And yeah, I I don't see Newcastle getting anything here. But if they do give... I mean, at this point, they're safe. They've got 43 points. They're, they're in ninth. It's crazy how Newcastle, I mean, we were talking about them in January, being like, can Eddie Howe do this? Eddie Howe can do this. Turns, I out, mean, turns out he can. It's crazy that he was out of a job for so long and nobody picked him up because, I mean, the man the man is clearly, we were all talking about him at Bournemouth being like, you know, this guy could be a big manager at a, a club like Arsenal or United or something. Seems like Newcastle made the right choice. I mean, I'm I've been very impressed with how Newcastle have been these last few games, and I think they're gonna give Liverpool a game. I'm gonna say two one Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool keep a clean sheet, and I think Newcastle give them a, a, a hell of a game, you know? Yeah, I had the same thing. Later on Saturday during the ten AM slated games, we've got Aston Villa Norwich, Southampton Crystal Palace, uh, Wolves Brighton in a real mid-table matchup, and uh, the relegation six-pointer, Watford versus Burnley. Uh, Watford, uh, we've all kind of agreed that Watford and Norwich, they're eight and nine points off of uh, Everton, who are, you know, not safe themselves. So Watford and Norwich are out of it. But at the same time, like, it's still, like, I'm sure around the club, like, they're going to be still thinking to themselves, like, oh, we can put a this run together. Watford's and this is probably Watford's last starts. chance, where if they beat Burnley, I mean, right, they're going to be six but, like, points I'm saying, out. It, they think it's their last chance. It is. We all know right. that they're already relegated. I know they're they relegated, too, their but, but it does feel like if they somehow win this game, they might have a chance at a great escape. I mean, we've seen crazier things. We've seen teams like eight points out with five or six games left suddenly be safe by going on a four or five game winning streak. West Ham in 2008. But it doesn't happen very often. And I don't think this Watford team is good enough. Even with Roy Hodgson, they've lost four straight games. Their last win was, you know, 2 1 against Southampton. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm going to favor Burnley in this. And I mean, Burnley, we were we talking, haven't talked about. We, we haven't talked about Dykes. We haven't. I was about to say Sean Dyche got fired, and Burnley suddenly one one draw with West Ham, beat Southampton two nil, beat Wolves one nil, back to back clean sheets. Like I really didn't expect this. I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh, Burnley just let go of Dyche. Like they're going to get relegated." Was Dyche a problem? Like uh, w- there, there may have been something behind the scenes where, like, maybe he was fed so, up or he wanted he wasn't happy with the direction the club was going. So the main thing I've seen uh, that that is the biggest difference, or I, I mean, I've watched them a little bit, but it's more so from like what I'm hearing from you know analysis around the league of Burnley is that their players were all convinced that like under Dykes, the, the the they started leaning too much on the spectrum towards like defensive solidity and when you're in a relegation battle like yes you you can't concede a bunch of goals obviously but you need to score goals if you're in a relegation battle that's like you need 3 points the only the only situation where it's more pivotal than you get say, 3 points every week is games, winning the league Weghorst had been useless for like 8 or 10 games in a row under Dyche. as soon as Dyche leaves Weghorst starts getting goals again and I'm like 
what you know, what was going on at Burnley. Um, I've, obviously, none of us want to see Burnley stay up. Everyone wants Burnley to go down. They have the lowest attendance in the league. Nobody likes going all the way up north. I, see, I don't know about that. I, I've seen a lot of sentiment like pro-Burnley against Everton. And I find it really strange. Like I, I understand, like it would be a huge story if Everton, one of the few it's clubs in the league, that's never, never been relegated. I feel like Everton's never been relegated, right? I think that's why they've never been relegated want to see from the Premier relegated. League. It's just them and, and Arsenal the last now. Time, yeah, I, I think the last time they got relegated from the top division at all was like sixty years ago. So yeah, it was a long, long time ago. A very long time ago. And then I think the only teams that were never relegated from the Premier League are like Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, Arsenal Liverpool. Arsenal never been relegated from the first division, Alex. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about Premier League, though. I'm just saying. No, I know. Premier I know. There, there aren't many like, teams. But yeah, I mean, there's there, it's it's it would be a huge story. So I can't, I can't fault story. people for it that. Would be a but huge it, story. it feels like people are just like, you know, mad at them for spending money badly. And they just don't like Frank Lampard. And to you people, I say you can go fuck yourself. No, Frank and, Lampard and, is an angel. I will say one thing. I will say one. He thing. deserves all the happiness Burnley in life. Have lost, other than this weekend. Burnley have lost 14 games this season. Everton have lost 19 games. Burnley have 13 draws. Everton have five. So Burnley have been more part of the course during the season as a Premier League team. Everton have just been abysmal in some of these games and have randomly popped up with wins here and there and uh, basically off individual performances of players like Richarlison or, or, you know, very good defensive displays. It doesn't feel like Everton have an have an identity, which is uh, again, this is so crazy to be talking about Everton as this one of the teams that doesn't have an identity or doesn't have. But the problem with and, and it would be really sad because I feel like if Everton went down, they would have they would have to like destroy their club because of how high all the wages of all the players they have. They would have to sell off half the team, you know, axe it, and I I don't think they would come straight back up. So. Uh, for me, like a team like Burnley, oh, they would they would come straight back up. Probably, are you kidding probably. me? Like Bournemouth and Fulham are coming straight back up. Like the the quality in the squad is much higher. Like also, they they do still produce very good academy players, as Gordon has you know shown. He's been like their best player since Franks came in. Um, but just going back to Burnley real quick, the thing you're saying about like they have so many more losses, they, they went through a big chunk of the season because they had so many games postponed for COVID. And it wasn't just them. It was the teams they were scheduled to play against happened to get COVID as well. And they had all these uh, postponed games like just like logged for this back half of the season. They had like one win like in January. They, they'd only won like one game and they, they had a million draws. And they've only won like five games since then. So... It's like it's a really finicky thing just looking at like the win draw loss record and being like yeah, Everton is so much worse because they have five more losses than than Burnley. Like, no, I mean, but Burnley also have a have a good defensive record. You know, one of the best in the bottom half of the table, other than Crystal Palace and Brighton. You know, only conceded only conceded forty five goals. Honestly, not yeah. that that's not that much for, in for down games. there. That's not that bad. Like, for, for them to be like in the relegation most of the season and they're currently on minus 16 goal difference it's is not bad. pretty yeah. insane. Looking at like Norwich with minus 47 and Watford with minus 36, minus and then Leeds up just above Burnley have minus 30 goal difference. Exactly. Like, so like I feel like Bur- I'm not saying Burnley deserve to stay up. I'm just saying right now the trend is f- it feels like Burnley are going to stay up and I kind of feel like they're going to get some sort of result against Watford. Probably not a win because I think Watford are going to be see, going crazy in this game. I think I, this I is the think banana gonna, skin. I think it's going to be like a crazy game, like three three. 
Like, there's going to be goals everywhere. Like, these teams are going to be going ballistic. It'll be a fun one to watch. I'm going to watch that game because... I mean, Burnley did... They did have the 3-2 win against Everton. And, like, that was their last, like, uh, you know, relegation six-pointer. But this is away from home. Watford, like we mentioned, are very desperate. And the last time I watched a Watford game was when they lost to uh, Brentford. Uh, at home and they I mean it was a very close game and we all know how well Brentford have been playing for the last like month or so in the league so for Watford to make it like tough even for for Brentford in that game uh, I mean it didn't take a late winner for Brentford but you know midway through the first half something like that Brentford finally got the 2-1 goal I I think this is the the banana skin for Burnley and maybe Everton don't get out of the bottom three this weekend we'll get to that in a second but I, I think Burnley lose I don't even know the. Sc- I don't even want to guess the score. Maybe like, maybe like a three-one, something like that. Like a like Watford just have one of those games where Saar and Dennis and uh, all these players just you know. I'm gonna. Play I'm, gonna I'm gonna say it's it's a little bit more high scoring than that. I'm gonna say three-three. Like I said, um, I think it's gonna be a crazy game. Both teams are gonna be going at each other, and Burnley Burnley aren't that defensive Sean Dyche team anymore. Um, so I'm gonna be excited to see. I mean, Watford have to go for it. Burnley've got to go for it. Should make uh, for a really fun game. So, I would that would be my pick of the 10 a.m. games for sure. So let's move on to the last game of Saturday, 12:30 uh, p.m. A game that's got big implications at both ends of the table. Uh, Leeds hosting Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City obviously are still top. Leeds are in 16th place. They're Five points ahead of Everton, or five points out of the relegation zone. But we we both both or I mentioned to you before we started this uh, that Leeds' next three games are home Manchester City, I think home Chelsea, and then at Arsenal. And you know they've got a couple more winnable games to finish out the season, uh, the second to last and final game of the season. But those three, if they lose all three of those games, and Burnley and Everton, meanwhile, are you know putting together a winner win each or something, all of a sudden Leeds are right back down and brown trouser territory as my dad likes to call it where they're shitting themselves so uh, leads aren't quite safe yet despite the fact that they haven't lost a game in their last say, five they're unbeaten in five games uh jesse marsh did i think there was a couple of losses to start his tenure but since then leads have beaten norwich 2-1 beaten wolves away 3-2 drew 1-1 with a with a good southampton team that was on form destroyed Watford 3-0 in a relegation six-pointer, which for me, that almost like indicated they were safe when they did that, and then drew 0-0 away at Palace. I, I feel like Leeds are safe with Jesse Marsh. I don't think they're going to get a result in this game, but we should note that uh, in, in Leeds' first season came up, they did get that 3-2 win against Manchester City. I think it was at the Etihad, wasn't it? Or was it like a 3-3? I think they. I think they might have drawn Manchester City in the home game, so the equivalent game to this. I think they they had like I mean, a one-one. They did lose seven-nil earlier in the season, so I don't think it's going to be like that. Yeah, they're also much healthier now than they have been for most of the season. Like Calvin yeah, Phillips they, is finally back beat, in the starting they lineup. Beat, in last season, they beat Manchester City two-one, and they drew them one-one at home. So they beat them at the Etihad two-one, and wow, they I, drew them one-one the at home. Etihad so, game. I mean that's it's pretty it's pretty crazy that Leeds were able to get a couple of results from City last season. Obviously this season they got seven. There was a seven nil, but I don't know. I mean I, I, you what, don't what do count you think out of Leeds Jesse Marsh. I feel like this game. I feel like we haven't we haven't talked about Jesse Marsh like since he came in, and you know we obviously have a majority American listener base. 
Like, what, what have your thoughts been of, like, the job he's done since coming in? Obviously, they're positive, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Just give me your Jesse Marsh thoughts. Well, I think the biggest factor in all of this has been Calvin Phillips coming back. I mean, he has... He, he's only been back for, like, a game, though. He, like, he started the the Palace game, but I don't think he was... He hasn't been playing a lot. It, like, he, he's been doing a lot with very little. Like, he still had Bamford out, or Bamford is still out. I think he came back for one game and got Yeah, you're injured. right. I guess Phil, Phillips came on as a substitute in that Watford game, and then his first start back was this Palace game. You're right. He has been doing a lot. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I've honestly been impressed with Jesse Marsh in that he's changed Leeds' identity from you know this all-out attacking, pressing side that's going to concede a shitload of goals to not necessarily a defensive side, but I mean they've just kept back-to-back clean sheets, which I don't remember Bielsa ever doing. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's not top of his priority list, right? And I'm just like, I, I think he's doing a great job. I mean, I think he's the first American that's come into the league that's that's not been complete shit. I mean, Bob Bradley was not good when he came into the league with Fulham. I think they're the only two. I can't think of any others. Because um, Bob Bradley was the first American coach, and there definitely hasn't been one. I mean, I love it that then, an American coach is doing well in the Premier League. I mean, it, it's it's been a long time coming that we've you know that we get a good American coach, and maybe Jesse Marsh is going to be the future for for the United States national team. I'm sure they'll they'll give him a try at some point. Definitely a better manager than Greg Berhalter. So I mean, we'll see how America do in this. The United States do in this. Yeah, but next you don't. World Cup, you don't but. take. You don't take that step when you know he's he's been like working his way up in like the the Red Bull sort of family up until it went flat at Leipzig uh, earlier this season. But I'm I'm annoyed at how much I like Jesse Marsh because you know you, you you all know I hate Leeds like. Leeds, if you could relegate one of these teams that's down in the relegations like battle right now, I would easily want it to be Leeds. But Jesse Marsh makes me want that like a little bit less. Because when you hear him speak, like trying to stress how big of a thing the American accent is in England, when people in England hear the American accent, they immediately, their immediate like... uh, Subconscious. Ted Lazo, you don't know have. nothing about football. No, it's just that you, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it would be like if a Brit came over and started saying like, "Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all fucking time. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever fucking seen. There's no one better. He's way better than Tom Brady already." You'd just be like, "All right, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you obviously do not know what you're talking about. You weren't raised in this. It's the same mindset. Where like, you know, even when you correct yourself." And think like, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's like, there's a case maybe like Patrick Mahomes is doing all these like different things, but like you just couldn't get past, you wouldn't be able to get past the accent and all the baggage that comes with that. Brits have the same thing about Jesse Marsh. So when you see him give these admittedly really good interviews for the first like 30 seconds to a minute, at least me as someone who's like not as much as obviously people have lived in England their entire lives, but living there for a little bit and having family there and going back there enough. Like you hear, even I hear the accent with my own American accent. And I'm just like, like, who is this guy? This guy sounds like a clown. And then you start listening to what he's actually saying. And he's incredibly thoughtful and considered guy. And yeah, I think it's a breath of fresh air. Premier League, And I mean, it looks like he's, he saved leads, you know, I'm beaten in five and they're not going to get a result here. I don't think, I think city win, I'm going to say three, one, there'll be a slight hangover from that Champions League game and they might struggle maybe in the first half, but 
they're preparing for the second leg too. They uh, the second leg's next week, so yeah, I think you'll see a lot of players. Be some rotation. I was about to say, I think you're going to see a lot of players that you didn't see uh, as prominent, like uh, Ilkay Gundogan, Nathan Ake, probably. Uh, maybe whichever one of yeah, Cancelo I mean, I think, or Walker is fitting up Leeds, to play. Leeds will look at whoever's playing right back and think be licking their chops thinking maybe they can get something there because City are short at the back right now. and I don't know. I, I, I don't think it'll be easy for them. I could even see like 2-1. That's what I'll say 2-1 Manchester City, a hard win. Um, But I don't think, again, I don't think anything gets resolved this week. And I think Liverpool and, and City both just keep up their, their winning form and keep the title race going. Okay. I'm going to say a 3-0 for Manchester City. Let's move on to Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Everton will be hosting Chelsea. Disrespect to to Jesse Marsh, Alex, after that whole spiel. You bastard. I mean, you you picked them to lose as well. But I said (laughs) 2-1. I was like, ah, it's going to be close. You're just like 3-0. They're going to blow them away. I don't don't really care. Like like I said... I didn't say I don't want them to get relegated. I still want them to get relegated, but I'll feel bad for Jesse Marsh. How about that? Uh, this Everton-Chelsea game, there is obviously a lot to unpack. Uh, more from the Everton side than the Chelsea side. Uh, as someone who watches every Chelsea game, I can just tell you right now, uh, everything about the rest of the season is focused on having the squad as fit as possible for this FA Cup final. Because uh, if we lose the FA Cup final against Liverpool... It's basically a failure of a season. I mean, relative to, you know, the standards or goals set before the season, the season has been a failure. But, you know, you consider all of the extenuating circumstances surrounding the club that have come into play since August. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea were winning an FA Cup and comfortably finishing third. You guys were you guys were still top of the league in like November and then covid and all those injuries hit the squad and you guys had that terrible run of form in december so it can be excused it can be excused also yeah exactly lukaku just the club getting sanctioned yeah the club getting sanctioned lukaku being like i want to go back to inter all that most clubs would have imploded completely by now and we're still just like we're going to cruise into third yeah chaos fc charity fc we we have many monikers you know we will be whatever you want us to be which is why i don't think there's any chance chelsea are winning this everton game we're also recording this the day before we play manchester united and I don't think there was any chance of us beating Manchester United either. I think the best Chelsea are like probably going to, in terms of like the performances, what I expect from Chelsea, I, I expect like the best outcome from those performances to be like two draws, like a frustrating draw against United where we play well, but still, you know, have some decisions go against us tomorrow. And then the Everton game, the emotion obviously behind uh, that Everton like crowd and, the players, what the, what Frank is going to say to them to, to to gear them up for this Chelsea game. Frank is going to want to win this one probably as much as he'd wanted to win that Liverpool game last week. And I mean, say what you want about Liverpool eventually winning, but Everton had some damn good chances of their own, like on the counterattack. They were a, a very swift counterattacking team at Anfield. If it were, we wasn't and, so know, trash, of, they probably would have gotten a goal. And, well, Gordon had a couple misses as well that he probably should have done better with yeah I'm just thinking like a 1-1 draw for Chelsea at Everton like in the league this season I don't think you're going to see much great play for the next five games we'll probably eke out like wins against like Watford and Leeds Ah, but you haven't talked about about Arsenal destroying Chelsea at Stamford Bridge Alex 
Yeah, because we don't we don't talk about games that you know no one gave a shit about. You know, I mean, I guess you guys gave a shit about that because you'd like need top four and everything. Oh, we certainly like, gave a shit about that. Thank you, Alex. We're back in top four. Beat United. Yeah, beat Charity Chelsea. FC. You should you should Charity be thankful, FC. Javier. You I saved I, listen, one of our worst I was performances for, for the season. Game. <laughs> right. You always save it for Arsenal, you know? Listen, I, I was going to be very offended if you guys did the double over us after we did the double over you last season. So we needed to make sure to, you know, put you guys back in your place. And, you know, you guys are a third place <laughs> team. You're not a title winning team. You luckily spiked that Champions League last season, but that was just pure luck and that was COVID and stuff. So we no, you don't get any credit for that. Um, but yeah, in this, uh, you in this so Everton game. You so sometimes. <laughs> No, I just had to get. It's not even worth addressing. It's not. It's not. I'm obviously joking. Um, I actually, I do think Chelsea gets something out of this game. Probably win it. Everton have just been. Do you not see like a crazy energetic Everton performance where we like can't complete passes past midfield? My my problem with Everton right now is that their best player is incredibly toxic. Um, Richarlison every single game. Oh. He's throwing no, his hands Gordon's up in the their air. Best player. He's Gordon crying. has been playing like their okay, best I, player. I know he's playing their best, but but Richarlison's their best player. And you can tell he doesn't want to be there anymore. He he almost thinks that rel- Everton are relegated because the dude's just... He looks like Alexis Sanchez in his last season at Arsenal. I mean, every single time he doesn't get the ball, he throws his hands in the air, roll his eyes, starts crying to the referee. He dives. You know, if he doesn't get the ball when he's in the box, he starts pouting. I, I just think... Right now, Everton is toxic as shit, and I think Frank Lampard is a little bit out of his depth there. Um, and I think Tuchel will want to lock up top four because you guys don't have it quite locked up yet. And I think you need a couple of yeah. more wins, obviously. Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm just saying we're going to get those wins against like Leeds. You are. And you're going to get the wins, but I'm just. I think this is one of those games where Tuchel will be. Um, you know, thinking that this this should be the type of game that you guys should easily win, and I, th- I agree I mean, with you. You, that really, probably you really shouldn't be United. looking ahead of yourselves if you're Arsenal. You should be looking like just over your shoulder. Like, don't worry, don't concern yourself with third. Like, even if we lost both of these Manchester United and Everton games, I'd come back to you and be like, I'm not worried at all. Like, like we're fine. Like, this is just Chelsea. We're just you know. We're very emotional. You're like ninety. I think I think I think you're like you're like minus a thousand favorites to make top four. Here's so, the thing: yeah. I crit- I criticize this Chelsea team within the spectrum or within the argument of they're not good enough to win the league. Like this group of players, it's this season has shown. I mean, again, we can mention the extenuating circumstances, but it's pretty clear that a lot of these players are not good enough to get to the same level as City and Liverpool. But I don't criticize them in terms of getting top no, four. No, I mean, like I mean, gonna, if you look at the teams below four. you, you guys have plus forty goal difference, and Arsenal right. plus twelve, and Tottenham plus eighteen, we've, United we're the plus third two. highest scoring team in no. the league. Yeah, I mean, you guys are fine. You guys are defensively still one of the best teams in the league. I'm not worried about you guys either. I mean, you guys really just need like a, a couple more wins, and you're safely in top four. I think this right. is going to be one of them. Um, I'm going to say you guys draw with Manchester United tomorrow. 2-2, two, two, and then you beat Everton at the weekend 1-0. I think we're drawing both games 1-1. Let's move on. Also, Sunday at 9 a.m., Tottenham hosting Leicester. On paper, it looks like an interesting one, but again, I think Leicester are kind of on the beach or, you know, more so focused on, you know, they've got this Europa Conference League, the the third uh, European uh, Cup, the third tier of the European Cup below the Champions League and Europa League. 
they're playing in the semifinal, Leicester that is, uh, against Roma, Jose Mourinho's Roma, uh, Thursday and then the following next Thursday as well. So they're going to throw everything into that, and I think Tottenham get an, an easy win at home against Leicester in this. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they generally don't have much trouble against Leicester, and Leicester have been on really bad form in the league. One win in their last five, and that was against Crystal Palace at home, 2-1. So I'm going to say the same thing. Now, I did think that Tottenham were going to have enough to beat Brighton, and they're going to have enough to beat Brentford. They didn't beat either one of them. They lost to Brighton 1-0, drew 0-0 with Brentford. Right. It seems like if you shut down Harry Kane's distribution, Tottenham have a lot of problems. You know, if you press Harry Kane well enough... Son and Kulishevsky, like as good as their wing play has been this season, if they're not getting those like, you know, amazing through balls or that flick header from Harry Kane to go through, like they're not scoring as many goals and not creating as much. I mean, this was this last game against Brentford. They had no shots on target. Yeah. I mean, I was saying even after that, that Villa game a couple of weeks ago, they easily could have been down three or four one at halftime to Aston Villa. But instead, they're ahead one nil and then go on to win it four nil in the second half from a flurry There's definitely cracks in this Tottenham so, squad which have given me a lot of hope that we might be able to make they don't, top because they don't control games. They, they don't. really don't. Like, They're just kind of... Conte is, you know, unsurprisingly still very comfortable with the team sitting deep and allowing them that sp- space to counter into. But they surrender all sort of control against lesser teams and it really shakes their confidence. And they're not good enough defensively to pull that off for most of the game. So... I mean, maybe Leicester. Uh, yeah, again, I just see Leicester more so focusing on Roma. That's going to be like a big test for them. And they're really going to want uh, to win that to ensure that they have European football next season as well. They would get into Europa League if they won that. Plus, it's a European trophy. That would be huge for Leicester. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Tottenham win it too. I think, you know, not having midweek action, being fully rested. Conte has a game plan, I'm sure, for this Leicester team. So I'll say 3-1 Tottenham. Okay, I'll say uh, 2-1 Tottenham. Sunday at 11.30 a.m., West Ham, who are going to be in the middle of a European adventure of their own with their semifinal uh, on Thursday against Eintracht Frankfurt. They'll end up hosting Arsenal in the middle of those two games. Uh, <laughs> I, they have paper, no fit again, center backs. No right, fit no center, center backs. backs. Well, I mean, they have fit center now, backs. It's just that now, this Dawson is a joke. got this a red is a joke card in that Chelsea game Because every time week. so far, I mean, those three games that we just lost, Crystal Palace, Southampton, and Brighton, all of those teams were not on good form. We were supposed to beat all of them, and we lost all three, and then we were supposed to lose or draw against United and Chelsea, and we won both of those. So I have no fucking clue what's going to happen in this game. I really don't. To me, like it seems like it should be an easy win for Arsenal. Generally, we haven't had any trouble at the London Stadium, for the most part. Uh, wasn't it last season you had the game where you went down three nil and then had to come back to draw three three? Like again, I, I, yes, that's but, trouble. But still. we haven't. That's still we haven't trouble. had. We haven't really lost very much to West Ham these last few seasons. I'm not saying we're not, um, but I think if they end up like resting Declan Rice and have I don't even know who the fuck they're going to play they, at the back. They, they can't they can't rest Declan Rice. They're they're going to have to play him at center back. That's at least what they did when Dawson got sent off against Chelsea. You're welcome by the way. You should uh, send yeah, your you, uh, gift basket to Lukaku for uh, getting Dawson oh, sent off. We will off. we will get uh, Chaos but FC charity that, FC. You guys are the best. 
Right. Dawson, yeah. Also, you owe us a fruit basket for letting you win in that game last week. You know, you you owe us if you make top four out here. That's what I'm trying to say. We definitely do. Uh, you get none of the credit. We get the credit. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say about uh, the, the Chelsea game last weekend, that Chelsea like barely won like right at the end. We're incredibly Mohamed Elneny played Ham you off the pitch. He played you off right. the pitch. He played Manchester we're, we're United off the we're pitch. Talking about, we're talking about West Ham Arsenal here. That's what I'm saying. Mohamed Elneny. Uh, but this is a very different test because West is Ham, they, sat, they did their thing of sitting very deep defensively against us, but they did it with Cresswell at left center back. And I think it was Johnson, the the academy graduate at right center back, and those are two fullbacks that were playing in a back Mohamed three. Mohamed Al is had, the true Egyptian. They king. had Dawson as the middle of the back three, and Dawson was just a monster. He was going to be man of the match until he got sent off, like in the 80th minute. He was blocking everything. Uh, I think Chelsea's expected goals something was like. 2.5 something like that like we were we should have won the game comfortably but because of Dawson they were able to frustrate the shit out of us without him I would expect them to play Rice in that position and Rice is he's played center back before but I don't think he's he, he wants to get forward a bit more and get involved in the game more he's not as comfortable Alex doing you're gonna what hate Dawson me right doing. now so I think you're gonna win is what you're I'm gonna saying. hate I me Alex 2-1 and the reason why I think we're gonna win I picked a win too. Is because obviously we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start Jaka Elneny in midfield, and I'm so sorry, but those two have been brilliant these last two games together. That yeah, one I'm just game telling we you played, the dynamic is different. Like yeah, the Chelsea it is, game was it is. wide Not open. Not only that, you but like counterattack. Granted, Jaka, I know that like I've criticized him so much. I still want him to leave Arsenal at the end of the season. But during this run since Partey's been out, and I know he like he played that one game at left back that was a disaster. But we need him in midfield. Like he is so key to us right now. He's he's actually changed his game a lot in the second half of the season since Aubameyang left. He's become much more of a progressive passer. Um, he hasn't done ever since that red card, and then we did the the warm weather training in Dubai for two weeks, and we had the the week off that with the COVID and all that shit. Chaka's been brilliant for the last three months, and I I hate to say it, he's been our best midfielder. And now El Nenny has kind of found this groove these last couple of games where, you know, we have now that destroyer back who Thomas was. We didn't it didn't work with Sambi. Sambi's not ready to play in this team. And El Nenny hasn't started a game since December. Comes in, arguably man of the match against Chelsea. Same thing against Manchester United. I mean, for me, he's been the player of the month for Arsenal because we lost three games without him. He comes uh, into Saka, the squad and we win surely. two games. Probably Saka too, but I mean, I'm I'm hopeful for Arsenal in this game purely because we have our confidence back. We were able to beat two very good teams, and West Ham are kind of out of it for top four. I'm sure they're still thinking they can get Europa League, but yeah, they're yeah, probably they, thinking they, that they they're gonna yeah they're gonna think that they're gonna they want to get Champions League from from, from you know Europa, winning yeah. Europa League. So yeah, I agree with you. I I kind of think that and Nuno Tavares he came back into the team against Chelsea came back into the team against Manchester United, looked pretty good. Looked pretty fucking good. He did have a little also bit of... Looked, he also looked very shaky defensively. He looked very shaky like, in the second half against Manchester United. But at least he has a little bit of confidence back. Um, and, you know, it's not all, you know, uh, fucking death and destruction now at Arsenal after those three losses. You know, these these two wins have definitely calmed me down. They don't get me hoping that we're going to win this because I'm, I'm scarred as shit from those three losses. <laughs> so I could easily see Arsenal drawing here when we shouldn't 
Um, but I'm going to say we squeak out a 1-0 win. Maybe okay. maybe 2-0. Oh, also Eddie I'm, and Ketia. I'm going 2-1. Also Eddie and Ketia, these last couple of games. He started. Please don't tell me that you're ready to re-sign him. No, I'm not. And I don't want to re-sign Good. him. Apparently, we've offered him another contract, which I'm not happy about. But <laughs> we'll see if that's true. Or not. I don't think he oh wants God. to stay because he knows we're going to sign a couple of players this summer and he's never going to play right. for us. So, But, I mean, I brought him in in fantasy. The fact that he's been way better than Lacazette in these last couple. I mean, those two goals against Chelsea were from his hard work, from pressing, from his determination, things that Lacazette just seems to not be able to do. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it adds another dimension to this Arsenal team that I didn't think we had. I didn't think we had a striker who could give us more than what Lacazette was doing, which was barely anything. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more hopeful now. I'm going to say I'm going to say one nil Arsenal. What percentage of Eddie Nketiah's next contract at whatever club he goes to, what, what percentage of that contract should he send to Andreas Christensen? You mean uh, Sar? Sar also had those like fucking. I mean, Andreas mistakes. Christensen made the mistake that got right, Eddie Nketiah's confidence back. And then Sar made back. the second mistake. Sar had the ball like three times and lost it all three right. of those times on Nketiah's second goal. But yeah, no, I um, three percent. Let's say three percent. Yeah, we'll huge, send him not some a money. Huge one. But, Thank you, know, you Christensen. Send Andreas some money. He's going to be at Barcelona <laughs> next season. So bye bye, Andreas. Rudiger will be at Real Madrid. A parting gift for Arsenal from Andreas exactly. Christensen. Um. So yeah, I'll say I'll say one nil Arsenal. I'll say we squeak it by. And uh, we win these three games that we probably weren't supposed to win after losing the three games. Uh, fucking Arsenal. Why do they always to me? Why couldn't they just win one of those games and then this would be like an easy run to top four? Whatever. Yeah, but if you'd won one of those, then you wouldn't have won at Chelsea. Like, you, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too, obviously. I did say like, that if we somehow didn't get the result against Southampton, that we would have some sort of reaction against Chelsea. But I don't even know what the fuck's going on. All right. You know what? Yeah, 1-0 Arsenal. West Ham yeah, probably... we heard you the, the first three times. Oh, you're right. I've repeated uh, it Normally, I would move on to the final game of this nah, weekend's slate, Manchester Man United. United-Brentford. But you know what? I'm just going to go completely full-on flagrant. Fuck Man United. They're probably going to beat Chelsea tomorrow. So They're going to definitely lose to Brentford at United. Old Trafford, though. So I think Brentford yeah. like, fucking <laughs> beat them like 3-1 or something at Old Trafford. But the whole point of this was to say we're not going to talk about them because we're already running wildly over. So... Uh, Javier, thank you for jumping on this one. Uh, if you guys want to follow Javier on Twitter, his Twitter is at JavierRev9. My Twitter and Instagram is at ASMoss92. You can follow us for all of our Arsenal, Chelsea, and overall Premier League and football-related uh, takes uh, at any given moment. You can follow the podcast socials on Twitter and Instagram at GhostGoalPod. And if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and drop us a rating and a review. It helps new listeners to find the pod. And uh, if you're already giving us a listen and listen this far, why not go the extra step and help us out that little bit more? Help us get some new listeners. By the way, I just want to point out to Manchester United fans, <laughs> Jaden Sancho, trash compared to Shut Saka the fuck up, dude, and Emile Smith-Rowe. They are the gods. Because... Go fuck, fuck yourselves, United we'll, fans. We'll save that for next week because I, I will stand Ten by Hog, Jaden Sancho. Ten Hag's been confirmed. We didn't talk about that at all, but I'm sure that'll be. That'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save we'll that for, for uh, Potter we'll get to down it. the line. There's but. plenty of time. Thank you again, Javier, for jumping on this. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the games this weekend. And until next time, see ya. <laughs>